Welcome everyone to the premiere of Season 2 of Today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. My name is Philip King Lowe. I am the owner, producer, and host, and I am an autistic adult. Thank you so very much for listening. Today's Autistic Moment is a member of the National Podcast Association. Today's Autistic Moment is always a free-to-listen-to podcast that gives autistic adults access to important information, helps us learn about our barriers to discover the strengths and tools we already have to use for the work of self-advocacy. This first segment of Today's Autistic Moment is sponsored by the Autism Society of Minnesota, Minnesota's first autism resource. For over 50 years, the Autism Society of Minnesota has been honored to support Minnesota's autism community. Visit them online at AUSM.org. I am so very excited to begin Season 2. Go to the new podcast episodes page of today's Autistic Moment, where you will find the lineup for the new shows with descriptions of each show from now through the end of May. When I publish new shows, you can click on the title and guest of each show to listen to the episodes. When I publish each new show, the program script that includes all of the hyperlinks I mention on each show and the interview transcript links will be available to download. Interview transcripts for 2022 are sponsored by the Minnesota Independence College and Community. All 24 episodes of Season 1 in 2021, with their transcripts, are available on the Episode Index page. Also, be sure to follow Today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Please join Today's Autistic Moment community group page on Facebook, where you can talk with me and other listeners. I have so many great shows planned for this year. This upcoming summer, I will have what I call a Summer of Self-Care series. I also call it my SOSS series. There will be four episodes covering topics such as self-care during seasonal depression, self-care during sensory overload meltdown, self-care during a crisis, and finally, self-care during an election year. I want to announce that the first live virtual event of Autistic Voices Roundtable Discussions for 2022 will be on February 23rd. The topic will be Stop the Shock. In March 2020, the Food and Drug Administration sought to ban the use of shock treatments as a way of treating autistic people and other disabled people. In July of 2021, federal judges in a two-to-one decision ruled that the ban interferes with the ability of doctors at the Judge Rottenberg Educational Center to practice medicine. Since that decision, a movement called by the hashtag StopTheShock has been organizing to talk about this dangerous practice and work to end its use. I am seeking six autistic individuals to have a roundtable discussion about the Stop the Shock movement. If you wish to be a panelist, please go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash autistic voices forward slash anytime between now and January 31st and click on the link to apply to be a panelist. You can also find there a link to the article in the New York Times, Court Overturns FDA Ban on Schools Electric Shock Devices, to read up on the topic. Over this past year, I have heard from many listeners about how this podcast is touching their lives. I have heard from some that are in places 
where they cannot get insurance to evaluate and diagnose adults. I have heard from some listeners that today's autistic moment is their only source of advice for autistic adults because they do not have access to updated resources in their local area. Others have found their connection to the autistic community. All of this happens because of my listeners and supporters. Go to todaysautisticmoment.com and become a patron to join others in helping supporting the work of today's autistic moment. Always, always be sure to share new shows with other people to help me increase my listener base. Autistic people need a medical diagnosis to get medical insurance to cover their therapy expenses and get the important social services we need to live. A medical diagnosis of autism in adulthood has the power to rewrite your life's history in that you understand your life in ways that you did not before the examination. A medical diagnosis also comes with certain social consequences. Autistic people get stereotyped by our social, quote, awkwardness. Autistic adults are presumed to be unemployable, unintelligent, and incapable of reaching a, quote, normalized, quote, potential. Many of us autistics are disabled because of the challenges we live with. The medical diagnosis that is necessary for many of us is also why autistics are, quote, othered, end of quote. David Gray Hammond from Emergent Divergence, in one of his videos on TikTok, said, The neurodiversity movement is in itself liminal in nature. A liminal point is a point between two states of being. If you were to walk between the living room to the hallway, the doorway would be the liminal point. The neurodiversity movement can be seen as the liminal point between the provincial world and the cosmopolitan world. Borrowing from David's words, we can think of the medical model as the provincial world and the neurodiversity movement as the liminal point to becoming part of the wider cosmopolitan world. The medical model keeps many of us neurodivergent people limited to our deficits. The movement for neurodiversity opens us up to a larger world with more opportunities for equality and equity because our uniqueness makes the world a better place to live. Dr. Scott Frassard is an autistic adult who was diagnosed at the age of 48. Dr. Frassard is a neurodivergent professional who focuses on psychometric and other education measurement aspects of organizations. He has been an adult educator for almost three decades and has worked in local, national, and international settings. Scott Frassard designs cognitive and psychomotor high-stakes exams and conducts validity and reliable studies of those exams. Be sure to stay around after this first commercial break for my conversation with Dr. Scott Frassard about the medical and social models of autism. Today's Autistic Moment can be downloaded and heard on Anchor FM, Apple, Google Play, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, and Stitcher. Support for Today's Autistic Moment 
comes from Best Care Home Care Agency. Best Care offers PCA choice, homemaking, and 245D services throughout the metro and greater Minnesota. Visit their website, bestcaremn.com, to learn more about their services. Welcome back to this second segment. And now it is my privilege to welcome and introduce Dr. Scott Frassard as we discuss the medical and social models of autism. Dr. Scott Frassard, thank you for joining me for this first episode of 2022. I welcome you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I wanted to kick off my second season with a great conversation about the medical and the social models of autism. Um, autistic people are often described by a medical pathology. We are often addressed as a medical pathology. And then there is the movement for neurodiversity that seeks to say that we are just because there is a, a medical pathology that describes our condition, uh, that does not mean that we are not people uh, who, deserve, who are deserving to be, um, be treated as equals and to have um, um, equal opportunities to uh, live, to work, and to um, exist with the rest of the world. So um, I want to begin this conversation as we begin 2022, because the neurodiversity movement has become so important to me and to so many of us because of what it means. So let's talk a little bit about the medical and the social models of autism. And um, let's begin. What important information do autistic adults and our caregivers need to know when we talk about the medical and the social models of autism? Great question. And I agree with you about the, the neurodiversity movement and how important it is for us uh, as a community. Um, I think one of the first things uh, that comes to my mind when, uh, regarding that question is that we're not broken or in need of being fixed. You know, if we think about the, the medical model, pathologizing how we experience the world and how we interact with others, I think at its foundation is uh, a flawed thinking um, for us. Uh, specifically, if we think about um, the medical model treats those things that we do differently as abnormalities or deficits and it's within us versus us, uh, just how we interact with others um, and that we can be fixed or those things that are distasteful or annoying to others um, can be cured or prevented. <clears throat> Uh, the medical model also shows or as, assumes that these impairments um, require some sort of professional or, or caregiver to help us um, versus uh, others that don't have or that are not autistic. I apologize for the um, person first language there. Uh, people who are not autistic um, uh, they 
often don't think of us as equal as results. And I think mm. uh, kind of finally that when we think about the medical model, looking at us as we are the ones that need to adjust because we're in the minority um, versus everyone else. Yeah, I think that's pro probably one of the things that bothers me most about the medical model um, because to, for, for the majority, the neuro majority, to make an adjustment um, that uh, works for us also works for other people. I I'll give you a prime example. Going out to eat at a restaurant, uh, invariably, the music is really loud in the restaurant. Um, and then every now and again, you have people, uh, staff come out and sing happy birthday to somebody at the next table. And it's very loud. Um, just bringing the noise level down a little bit helps not only us and our anxieties, but it'll help everybody else. So, you know, and that's maybe a more simplistic adjustment, but that's one of those things that, you know, what's good for us is actually good for everybody. Correct. Um, we need to um, explain something, I think, here, too. Um, the fact is, um, the medical model tends to include diagnoses um, and also, yes, it involves the therapy to help us manage some of our challenges. Um, and the medical model, uh, one of the things that's really difficult about it is, is that in order for us to receive many of the services we need, whether that be social security benefits or some of us who have uh, more support needs than someone else, we need that medical model to qualify for services that affect us. And yes. that in and of itself is, it's an important piece of it, but it is also one of those parts where again, um, people who are not autistic and society in general gets to quote other us. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those things where um, it's needed, but it has a consequence. So let's talk about that. Yes, absolutely. And um, ironically, uh, more times than not, we don't have a say in what that medical model looks like how those That's diagnoses right. come about. So the model itself is something that is imposed upon us versus, um, and, and I fully agree with you that um, support needs obviously vary person to person, um, but having access not only to the services, but to the diagnosis itself. Um, you know as well as I do that within the community, the autistic community, self-diagnosis is a perfectly valid diagnosis. But to your point, when it comes to services to, uh, that support us in whatever need that we have, it has to come from somewhere else. Our work exactly. isn't good enough. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. It does seem that um, we have to have a medical diagnosis that you know is according to this to a certain set of criteria and you know um you're absolutely correct you know the the um the downplay of that is that in order to qualify for services we need services that are often designed not by autistics but by people who are not autistics for autistics they are often created um from an ableist viewpoint. I, I completely agree. And um, I've only realized I've been part of this community for almost two years now mm -hmm. uh, when I was formally discovered as being autistic. But the more I learn from the community, the more what you just said it actually hurts. You know, I, I feel the pain because um, I, I reflect back on my life and how different could have could things have been if 
Um, if there were supports uh, I had access to, I, I can't come up with a, a good example because, you know, I spent 48 year, years of my life not realizing. So I'm still on this journey of discovery, but it, it's, that's what, what you just described is one of those things that um, really helps or it, uh, drives me to, to be a voice for the community uh, in some ways by advocating for myself and those that it resonates with, uh, I guess by, you know, by some uh, measure, I'm advocating for them as well. But, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really bothered by that sort of stuff. And that moves me to want to help. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, uh, this, this medical versus the social model is an interesting paradox. Um, like I say, we kind of need it, but it has a consequence, socially speaking. And the, the neurodiversity movement itself is an answer to that that says, I may need a medical model to access services, no matter how, how it is developed. Um, with by non-autistics and that sort of thing. But the neurodiversity social movement um, mm -hmm. is to say we are different. And so what? You know, um, we are different people. We do think differently. We act differently. But that is still not a good reason for us to not have access to uh, you know, um, to being, you know, among friends and family yes. and, and other, other, uh, other people, it, it's, it is not an excuse to exclude us from society is what the Absolutely. neurodiversity movement says. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, go ahead. Were you going to, I was just going to say, you know, imagine how, how things could be different in a positive way if social services or whatever kind of support services were available based on either a medical or social model of uh, autism identification. After this next commercial break, I will continue my conversation with Dr. Scott Frassard. Please stay tuned. Support comes from Minnesota Independence College and Community, a life and career skills program for young adults with autism and learning differences. Help a young adult take a step towards their independence and a vibrant life. Learn more at micommunity.org. Looking Forward Life Coaching is a Twin Cities-based nonprofit that provides mentorship and coaching for individuals, couples, and families, either face-to-face -face or virtually. Some areas that Looking Forward Life Coaching can provide services are organizational skills, time management, employment coaching, relationship coaching, and many more. Our coaches are trained in person-centered approaches, and we can provide person-centered plans with obtainable goals. We accept all waivers from the state of Minnesota, with the exception of elderly. We also have reduced rates and scholarships for private pay. If you would like more information or schedule a free meet and greet, visit our website at www.lookingforwardlc.org or call us at 612-504-7414. Looking Forward Life Coaching helps change stumbling blocks of life into stepping stones towards success.
let's move into my second question. And it always is interesting because we're already, we've been bridging into it for a while, uh, but what are the barriers for autistic adults when we speak of the social and the medical models? Uh, we, we've really touched on um, how um, that medical model um, really does create some barriers for us socially. Um, again, the medical model, it's, it's not unimportant, but again, unfortunately, the social consequences of that medical model and how that affects us as um, neurodivergence. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that um, let's talk a little bit more about that if we can. Absolutely. Um, when, when I think about the barriers uh, through this medical model lens, I, I, I was reflecting and there are a number of different things. And I think the most uh, important things that bubbled to the top for me, first and foremost, uh, for me, I think is um, a barrier is compassion, to be quite honest. And that's kind of a, an abstract barrier of sorts. But if you look at the medical model and think of it as we are diagnosed because of perceived deficiencies or abnormalities as compared to the neurotypical population, that's a lack of compassion right there. Um, I agree. There's no ambiguity there in terms of um, the medical model doesn't have that room for variance. Either you're like everyone else or you're not, uh, at least in my interpretation uh, of it. Um, so I think compassion is a huge thing. Um, another barrier is the communication barrier. Uh, the, uh, I think implicit in the medical model is there are a certain accepted uh, modes of communication, uh, primarily verbal. And if um, as a child, we don't start speaking at a certain age, there's a problem. Or um, if, if we take things extremely literally as others, other people say them, there's a problem or those sorts of things. Um, or maybe I, you know, our, our preferred way of communicating, especially in times of stress, is by not speaking. Rather, we have body movements that um, communicate an internal situation versus a verbal. And I think if we look at things through that medical model, again, others will see those as abnormalities and something to fix. Um, and, and both of those things kind of come to the third thought that I have, which is the stereotyping. Uh, I think the medical model sets up um, the situation for stereotyping with a lot more prevalence than the social model. Perhaps the social model could, uh, because we, as humans, we like to group things in like uh, kind of categories. But I think with the medical model, it, it makes it more clinical. Um, uh, in terms of how people stereotype. Um, and, and then the last thought I had for it, and I may be going above and beyond what the question is that you're asking, uh, Philip, but the, the, the other thought that I had, kind of the overarching, and, and we, we kind of talked about it earlier, is the struggle that we have as an autistic community or even as individual autistics um, the struggle we have in having a voice in the, in the autistic narrative. Um, it's us, it's our lives, but yet we don't have a voice in it. So that medical model com uh, almost completely uh, uh, negates or ignores our voice. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. That medical model, once again, uh, puts us at the mercy of researchers and psychological professionals and psychiatric uh, testing and that sort of thing. 
and again, let's not let's not um, let's not, let's give credit where credit is due. Those things have a necessity somewhere, but they do, in fact, create a barrier for us in terms of how we are perceived, uh, how we how we are stereotyped. I agree with that, and also, it, it, you know, it becomes um, an excuse for uh, bias. And it becomes an excuse for the stereotyping. I agree. Again, I agree with that. Um, I also tend to think that it, it's a, it's a way for um, it's a way for um, people to kind of. Well, he's autistic, so yeah, he's going to do that. Yeah, he's he's going to do that because he's autistic. Yeah. Which yeah 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 thanks a lot uh but you know it, it's it's it is a bit of an excuse used as an excuse to marginalize and suggest that we are less capable of of things than we really are absolutely i've over the last two years and and learning more from you and others in the community that um being marginalized obviously is a huge, huge problem. And just the set of assumptions that people make about us, um, I, I don't know that I have noticed it yet myself. Um, and it may be because I'm still learning what, it's, what it means to be autistic. Um, again, still on that journey, but I, I, I'm starting to realize or starting to, uh, feel like what you described is also a, a, a defense mechanism of neurotypicals to insulate themselves and their comfort and to keep us at arm's distance so we don't disrupt their worldview. And I know that's a generalization and a stereotype of my own, um, but it, it goes back to that there doesn't seem to be room for acceptance of variation in the human experience, like there is acceptance of variation in biology, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, those are all great points. Finally, I wanna move into my third question and my audience has heard me say this on numerous occasions, but I really love helping autistic individuals discover their strengths and tools for self-advocacy. Because, And I think the reason that is so important is because, as you say, in the medical model, we're often described by our, quote, deficits. But self-advocacy is really about discovering our strengths and putting them to work, um, to work on making us more real to the rest of the world. And so what are some steps that autistic adults and our supporters, what, they, what do they need to take those steps to do uh, to advocate for our needs? Um, and, and please feel free to, um, to add what you want here because it's all helpful. Sure. Um, so I think uh, first and foremost, uh, the piece of advice that I got myself and something that I reiterate on a regular basis is um, listen to the autistic community. Um, I, I think we have one commonality that I trans, uh, goes across all different variations and all perspectives on our own experience, and that is that we want to have uh, a place at the table. We want to have a voice in the narrative. Um, but beyond that, we all have different preferences. We all have different challenges. We all have different support needs. Um, it goes back to the old adage that uh, we hear people say, if you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person. That, that's one thing that makes it so incredibly important to actually listen to us. And that, that's been something that I've been struggling with as of late as well. And, you know, I, I have a pretty hard line when it comes to, like, identity first uh, language. 
um, being my preference um, and not using the phrase on the spectrum. Um, but not everybody in the community believes that. And um, for a while, I was like, why don't you believe it? I listened to them. And while I don't share the same opinion, I'm going to respect somebody's opinion to use person first language or use the phrase on the spectrum to refer to themselves. Um, yeah. But I think right. first and foremost, you've got to listen to us. Uh, without that, we can't have that narrative. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. then the other yeah. thing that I thought, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Phil. No, go ahead. I was going to say the, the other thing is just goes back to what we talked about earlier, uh, which is don't try to fix us. You know, if if you listen to us and talk with us, um, have a true dialogue and not just a discussion, um, learn to to see things through our point of view. Um, don't try to fix us. Try to support us. What do we need so that we feel included, that we are included, more importantly? Yeah. Yeah, those, those are some really great, great, great um, points that you made. Um, last April, um, when I attended the uh, virtual conference uh, organized by the Autism Society of Minnesota and the um, Autism Society of Greater Wisconsin, um, Zephyr James, who has been a guest of mine on, on several shows now, did an amazing experiment that I really got a lot out of. Um, the experiment basically was to say that she thinks that, and this is a, this is a, a before my listeners uh, get the wrong impression, but she's basically doing an exercise something to think about not something that actually it, it actually is although there's a there's a sense of that too um their experiment was to suggest that we need to add a um a new um category to the dsm and that category is neurotypical syndrome. <laughs> and that, you know, we start asking, you start making comments about things such as neurotypical people. What is neurotypical syndrome? You have all this wide social abilities, you know, you're interested in so many different things. You can't hardly, you know, focus on one and make that your real you know, art or your real, you know, your particular joy. Um, you know, um, you don't fidget or stim, you just kind of go on as if nothing's happening. And, you know, th there's various things. And sure. afterwards, um, Zephyr said, when you hear us describe you in this way, what do you sense? And some of the, many of the neurotypicals in that class said, well, I feel like I'm, being described as limited by what you're saying and zephyr simply re replied with well and that's how we feel all the time you know you set up awesome. this you set up this 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 system that says this is how we describe you and the point is is that this is where my constant point about telling our stories about what being autistic means for us is so incredibly important. Um, the neurodiversity movement, the social neurodiversity movement is about asking people to please listen to us as we discuss or tell you what being autistic means for us and what it is we would like, we would like to see happen. Um, you know, um, and give us the opportunity to talk and give us the opportunity to come into the world with the rest of you. Um, and I felt like I had to really think about that one. But um, the thing is, is that um, let us in, we're asking to be let in to all the things you enjoy, but enjoy them on our own terms. Um, 
lastly, before I let you talk, um, I just want to say that this is one of those pieces that really gets to me sometimes. Um, you know, we've watched many sitcoms over the years, sitcoms and shows and that sort of thing. And in that crowd, there's all kinds of people gathered in that crowd. Um, there's the individual who is really focused only on themselves. There is the individual who makes everybody laugh. There's the person there that is just the person who's who's always, you know, poking away and making us aggravated. And there's there, there's all sorts of personalities. But the autistic in the space is this person who's sort of out on the other side somewhere, you know, and all we're trying to say, the neurodiversity movement, the social model is saying, yes, we are, but we want to be, be viewed as part of the rest of you. We're just different people, um, different people among the rest of you. So um, feel free to... Um, talk about some of that too go ahead absolutely and you know that's one of the things that i'm experiencing more i as i, I take this journey myself over the last couple of years is you know all my life i knew i was different but i was never i, I never understood why until mm. two years ago um so now i'm I'm really looking at things through that lens. And yes, um, I do feel there are things that um, other me, for lack of better terms. And I, it's disheartening. You know, I think back to a lot of my experiences and how I, I personally reacted as what I thought then would have been a neurotypical person, but now understanding okay, uh, I wasn't uh, then, I just wasn't uh, identified as such. But when I think about, um, when I think about the marginalizing that goes on, it's, it's painful to see how powerful a certain organization, certain people, certain models of thinking um, uh, just continue to hold tight to ways that we should believe about right. being autistic. And um, I, know, I, I know I have a point in here somewhere, so <laughs> do bear with me, but it's one of those things I, I, I kind of feel in advocating for myself um, I'm able to, to help people see a different point of view and I'm not going to get to get across to everyone. Uh, but if I can get across to one person, um, I think that helps the community as a whole, but more, uh, more to the point, it does help me. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but that's your um, answer. I'm still to, grappling with that. Yeah. No, that's your answer, and it's a brilliant answer. Um, you know, part of our self-advocacy here is being the best autistic self we can possibly be. Part of advocating for ourselves is to have a good self-knowledge of our own autism. And you are on your journey as I was about 10 years ago after I was diagnosed, and I'm still, I was like, I had to kind of figure out, okay, what, what is all these things that are happening to me and why are they happening? And then, um, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, I had to see for myself just how much I was struggling with a lot of my social, social communications, my social relationships. And then I also had to, you know, found myself at that point where I'm like, you know, I just feel so alone. I feel so isolated. And that's when I found the autistic community began with beginning with the Autism Society of Minnesota. And when you connect with other autistics and we see we're all going through this together from different points of view. And then um, when you go into a place like LinkedIn, like you and I have, and there's this whole array of people who are just 
doing advocacy on the part of autistic people from the from whatever point that they are you've got you know um you've got um people working from financing you've got people working from psychological therapy and counseling you've got some people um like lyric homans who is just this brilliant uh, neurodivergent rebel who's just stating this is what we're going through how come how come we just can't be like the rest of you um and of course Jen Perkis who is absolutely fantastic with what she writes what sorry what they write forgive me Yen. um you know that sort of thing um but yeah I mean I think that it begins with self-knowledge and it and it begins with um taking hold of the things that you're passionate about and putting them at the service of the rest of the autistic community. Um, because that's that's what motivated me to start today's autistic moment. I had the, I have this passion for advising people about autism and that sort of thing. And creating this podcast is exactly how I put that pot that passion to some kind of use. So um yeah. absolutely you you gotta use your platform uh, in the best way possible. During this last commercial break, you will hear, of course, about my future shows, followed by the conclusion of my interview with Dr. Scott Frassard and today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Please stay tuned. GT Independence is a national leader in financial management services for self-directed in-home and community-based long-term support. With self-direction, you have the right to live the life you choose, regardless of age or ability, in your own home or community. At GT Independence, our job is to help make self-direction easy. With self-direction, you make all the important choices, like who to hire, when to schedule support, how to manage your care, and even who to fire if things aren't working out. We take care of the administrative details, including Medicaid waivers, new employee paperwork, taxes, and paychecks. Founded in 2004, GT Independence is a disability-owned business that's proud to have assisted more than 25,000 people in receiving self-directed care from the safety of their own homes during the COVID-19 pandemic. By removing the increased risk of group living settings, self-directed care saved lives. To learn more about GT Independence and how to self-direct care in your state, visit www.gtindependence.com. On January 24th, I will be joined by Erin Brandel Dykeisen, a licensed social worker who specializes in helping autistics with chronic pain management. Autistic people have very different responses to pain, in large part due to our sensory processing disorders. Some autistic adults may be hyposensitive to pain in that they do not know how much pain they are actually in. Other autistics who are hypersensitive have pain that is so intense that managing day-to-day -day activities is almost impossible. There are many autistic adults who live with chronic pain due to conditions like fibromyalgia, arthritis, physical injuries, and of course trauma. Erin will join me to talk about how autistic adults can manage their pain in ways that work for them. Tass Crombie will be returning to today's Autistic Moment on February 7th to talk about eating disorders and autistic adults. According to different researchers, autistic adults are at 4.9 to 22% higher risk of developing an eating disorder. 
<clears throat> Sensitivity to food textures, digestive issues, and interoception play a significant role that impacts autistic adults experiencing eating disorders. Tass will talk about the challenges of eating disorders with some very helpful advice. On February 21st, Tass returns to talk about trauma, an unavoidable consequence. Social stigmas, sensory processing disorders, abusive relationships, rejection, unemployment, ableism, all of these and many more that can be mentioned means that trauma is an unavoidable consequence. Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, is among the most common forms of trauma for autistic people. Tass will talk about trauma and give some great advice for self-care. Visit todaysautisticmoment.com for program updates, future shows, and check out the Adult Autism Resources Links page. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment. Dr. Scott Frassard, um, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, you have given us some great things to think about. And um, when I do the shows and, and I meet the guests that I work with, I'm always uh, amazed at, at how our conversation works together. And I think that um, we have definitely done that. Um, as we prepare to close this conversation, would you like to um, maybe share with us a little bit, uh, like I said, about a little bit of your journey and what are some of the things that you do um, that, that have helped you to, um, through this medical model and the social model of autism? Tell us about some things that you may have done that you find to be helpful. Um, go ahead. Sure, so uh, great question. Um, you know, over the last two years of my journey, uh, the first year of it, I, I kind of didn't know what direction to, to turn. And so I, I started off by just um, like everyone else, probably Google, which I found things that I didn't know at the time, maybe weren't the best sources. Um, I also bought a number of books uh, same sort of thing. Maybe at the time I didn't realize that those were the best books. I, both of which I really um, aligned with the medical model of autism or, or a medical model of disability to include autism. And so I, I spent, I, I then shifted my time really uh, paying attention to the most uh, vocal people out there on both sides and really reflecting upon what they're saying and how, how does it make me feel? Like the example you gave with the uh, um, experiment in that presentation. Um, and I started to then align with the social model based on what I'm hearing and how it made me feel. So I then really focused on what are, what are those players in uh, the field or in the community around the social model and start paying attention to what they're saying, uh, going uh, to the websites that they recommend and buying the books that they recommend. Um, I'm currently reading one of those right now, um, We're Not Broken uh, mm -hmm. uh, by Garcia. And um, that's the kind of stuff that resonated with me. So once, once I started seeing that, uh, part, part of my journey also, again, includes that self-advocacy. And because I do have a, a really large um, presence, especially on LinkedIn, 
I started talking about those things uh, as my own reflections and really now starting to, to focus them on the intersection between my experience as an autistic, but also my uh, part of my vocation as an organization a, a, a developer and uh, really starting to, to hone my reflections in the, in the social sphere on what organizations can do to, to be more inclusive of the autistic community. Yeah, that's, a, that, that's just excellent. And just a word, um, you mentioned the book, We're Not Broken by Eric Garcia. Eric is going to be joining me in April to help kick off Autism Acceptance Month. And I'm very, very excited about that. Just, I've read his, I've read his book and, and his, his writing and his explanations are, are spot on as far as I'm concerned. So, um, awesome. yeah, yeah. So my, my, my audience can look forward to that. Um, so yeah, that, that sounds really, really good. I, I appreciate that answer. Well, Dr. Scott Frizzard, I once again, I want to thank you for being with me on this important episode for today's autistic moment. You've done a fantastic job. And um, I do hope to invite you back sometime to uh, talk about other particular subjects to do with autistic adults. Thank you again, Philip. I really enjoyed this. I always enjoy uh, chatting with you. Um, mm. And uh, I, I look forward to hearing your other podcasts as well as speaking with you again. Absolutely. Today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Understanding Autism virtual classes will be offered by the Autism Society of Minnesota. These classes are perfect for autistic individuals, caregivers, those who want to understand the basics of autism and support autistic people. Classes will be held on January 17th, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., February 21st from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., March 21st from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., April 18th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., May 16th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Classes are free of charge, but you must register to attend. On January 11th, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Maya Park will be the presenter for the virtual skill shop, Supported Decision Making, what it is, why you might need it, and how it works at the Autism Society of Minnesota. Supported Decision Making is a means to create self-determination for people with disabilities and older adults that can enhance quality of life and serve as an alternative to guardianship. Learn how supported decision-making, as well as recent changes in Minnesota law, requiring consideration of alternatives to guardianship. On January 25th, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Jillian Nelson will present a virtual skill shop at the Autism Society of Minnesota entitled Creating Autistic-Friendly Social Spaces. Society frames autistic people as not wanting to have friends. This is far from the truth. Autistic socialization looks different, and sometimes that creates challenges in building friendships and social groups. In this session, we will talk about how to create different types of social spaces and engagement to have greater access connecting with autistic and neurotypical people alike. On February 8th, from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Eric Ringenberg will present a virtual skill shop at the Autism Society of Minnesota entitled Video Modeling, Why It Is Useful and How to Create One. Video modeling is an effective strategy for learning and developing many types of skills. This session will review what video modeling is, describe types of video models, that can be used and demonstrate how to create a video model using technology you may already have or can get at a minimal expense. To get information about these or other events at the Autism Society of Minnesota, please go to AUSM.org.
Make plans now to attend the 2022 Minnesota Autism Conference, April 27th to the 29th, 2022, at the Hyatt Regency in Bloomington, Minnesota. There will be both in-person and virtual events offered. Registration will open soon. Go to AUSM.org for updates and more information. Funding for today's Autistic Moment is sponsored in part by Looking Forward LC. Go to lookingforwardlc.org for more information. If you have questions for me, please send an email to pklowe at todaysautisticmoment.com. Don't forget to check out todaysautisticmoment.com and follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. May you have an autistically amazing day.